0: Welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. The Christmas season is a time in our calendar that's uniquely filled with tradition and celebration. It's full of activities and gathering with family and coworkers and friends, And as there's been some change and disruption, I'm sure there's some things that we're grieving that we're missing out on. There's probably a few of our traditions that we've been able to keep and look forward to and may have already done or are marking that time when they happen. But I'm also pretty sure that in this unique season, there's a few of these things that aren't happening that maybe we're a little thankful that aren't in the calendar. Before we kick off uh, what I wanna talk about today, I wanna give you some time to talk about with the people around you, or if you're alone, reflect or maybe journal about it. I wanna give you two questions to think about. The first is, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? And then the second one is, what are you thankful that you get to avoid this year that you normally do in the Christmas season? Take a few minutes to discuss, to engage on this, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Okay, if I'm being perfectly honest, this year I'm looking forward to not having a calendar full of events and gatherings. I mean, looking back, there've been far too many times my wife Amber and I get in the car and we look at each other and we're like, why are we doing this? Where are we going? I'm I'm too tired, I don't have time for this. I'd much rather be putting on my pajamas and watching a movie. I don't wanna dress up or go to this event or this social gathering. I know some of you extroverts are listening and you're like, what, all the parties and festivities? That's the best part. But I think there are many of you, like me, that can look at this season and probably admit that we're thankful that we get to miss out on a few of these gatherings and social events in our calendars. There could be a lot of reasons why we might want to avoid these things. But I think one of the things that could be below the surface is our desire to avoid gathering with people where there might be tensions in relationships. And we're happy that maybe we get to avoid them. Do you ever notice that holidays can accentuate the issues we have with others? Often the people that are closest to us. I mean, we gather with our family and we want our family gathering to look like this. This is a picture from uh, the Griswold family peaceful, turkey, just a a beautiful gathering of family. But too often they look like this. And if you know the movie well enough, uh, Christmas Vacation, the moment of the good picture, right after it, chaos erupts, a dog messes up everything, you chase a squirrel around, and the family's hiding and getting off and getting out of the picture, and what was a good, normal, hopeful Christmas dinner turns into chaos and disruption. Uh, I feel like sometimes that's the way our holidays go, and they happen like that with our families. There's an article in Popular Science called, Why are the holidays with your family so stressful? And it shares some thoughts from Pamela Regan, a psychology professor from UCLA. And this is what it says. Families also bring special forms of baggage. Even for the closest families, conflicts do happen, especially when people are confined to limited space during family gatherings. Regan says, because conflict is a normal part of relationships, the closer you are, the more you are to self-disclose, the more you hear things you don't like. Because we're relational beings and we live in a broken world, it's not uncommon for us to have fractures in our relationships. Even navigating the Christmas gatherings this year amidst government regulations and requirements might be really challenging. Different opinions on what we should do and should we see grandma and grandpa and how that works, and that can create tension. We often have arguments, unresolved issues, Perceived or real hurts that remain unaddressed. And these can create difficult and challenging situations with others and even distance. And often, if we're honest, we don't mind them staying this way. It's annoying to have to deal with these things. You can't understand why that person acts that way or why they might have said this. There's a lot of hurt that's happened, it takes too much effort, it's too complicated. And so these relational tensions stay there under the surface. Unfortunately, when we think about the holidays, and maybe especially this Christmas, the undercurrent of relational tension can rise to the surface. So what does the message of Advent have to say about this? We're in the middle of a series called Wonder, Discovering the Gifts of the Season, And what might this season say into the mystery of the story of Jesus coming to earth? How might that shed some light on the relationships we have and how they play out this season? What's the gift in this season that speaks into the relational difficulties, both big and small, that we might have in our lives? And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to take a look at a word, an idea that speaks right into the heart of relational tension and brokenness. A concept that's central to the story of the Christmas events. Something right at the core of who God is and what he's done for us. In this series, we've talked about slowing and we've talked about giving. And now today, I want to talk about this gift of reconciling. As we explore the idea of reconciling, I want to take a brief look at what the word means. The word reconciling is the form of a verb reconcile, which is from the Latin words re, which means again, and consolare, which means to make friendly. Again, make friendly. One dictionary even says it this way, to restore to friendship or harmony. That's how it's defined. What it really means is to bring back together, to make peace, to make right. The thing about this idea, this idea behind reconciling, is that it's only really necessary when something's gone wrong. Someone has said or done something to create division, conflict, maybe even afflict pain. There's a brokenness, a fracturing, that creates separation or distance in relationship. And the act of reconciling is about making a move, a gesture, a step forward, something being offered up on the way back to restoration. It's taking the initiative to do something on our part to make friendly again. But before we talk about what reconciling looks like, we should take a look at why this word, this action is really significant for us. This may seem a bit obvious, but a great place to start is with the idea that healthy relationships are good for us. There's been countless research projects that link social relationship with our physical and mental health. There have been studies that have shown that people in healthy relationships live longer, have fewer hospital visits, experience less pain, and have more positive emotions. There's even research on how adverse, um, on the adverse impact of conflict within relationships and what it does to our health. One project showed that people in negative relationships put them at a higher risk of developing heart problems, like a fatal heart attack. Another study showed that women with high levels of conflict in their relationships had increased blood sugar and blood pressure levels, and greater rates of obesity. The constant tension or intense conflict keeps our body in a fight or flight mode. And then if that continues over time, it can lead to fatigue and a weakened immune system causing us to not be that healthy. But I don't think we really need science to tell us that. I think we feel it ourselves, don't we? That feeling in your gut when you think about that tense relationship, the way a conversation with a family member that maybe you've had over the Christmas holidays already just keeps playing over and over again in your head, causing you to lose sleep. You see, conflict and tension in our relationships have consequences on us. Reconciling is actually good for our health, but reconciling is also about our spiritual health and our spiritual formation. A careful read of the Bible reveals to us that reconciliation is a major theme of the story of God and his people. The whole biblical narrative is really about relationships. God's relationship with us and our relationship with him and our relationship with other people. The idea of making relationships right is woven all throughout the scripture. And Christmas, the coming of Jesus, is the beginning of the main act of the story of reconciliation. Let's look at a great passage dropped right into the story of God about the coming of Jesus and about the action of reconciling. John 1, verses 1 through 3 and 14. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. Apart from Him, not even one thing came into being that has ever come into being. And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here's what this says. The wonder or mystery in this season is that in Jesus, God makes a move, a big one, towards reconciling all of his people back to him. But let's take a look deeper into the passage to see a little bit more about how it says this to us. It says, in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. That word was Jesus, and it's saying that Jesus was with God and Jesus is God showing us the relational nature of God. It also says that Jesus was there right at the beginning, creating all things, including us. If we go back to that story right at the beginning, we can see that we are created to be in relationship with God. But as the biblical story unfolds, humanity's desire to be God of their own lives leads them to make choices for themselves. And what the Bible calls sin enters in and creates a fracture in our relationship that causes separation with God. A darkness had come to the earth. The whole Testament is an ongoing saga of the people of God working out their relationship with God and one another. It's a story of God's people trying to make their way through the darkness. And time and time again, they try to work it out on their own and they make choices and forget about God and turn their back on him. And then the darkness would overwhelm them again. The people needed a savior, someone to come to their aid and to rescue them. And God promised that one day he would send someone to save them. The darkness was gonna get a light. Listen to what it says a few verses after the passage we just heard in John chapter 1, verse five. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. A few verses later, it also says in John 1:9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so after hundreds and hundreds of years of God's people working this out, at the time we celebrate Christmas, the fulfillment of God's promise occurred. Jesus, God with skin on his face, had come to dwell among us. Jesus was here in the flesh to do all that was prophesied, but he wanted to redeem the people in more greater ways than they even realized. He was up to something that they couldn't quite see that was even unexpected. See, he wasn't just freeing them from oppression or economic and political darkness. There was a spiritual darkness that plagued the people, a relational fracture. And through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he made a way to restore our relationship with God and his people once and for all. Listen to how Paul puts it in his letter to the church of Corinth in Second Corinthians chapter 5. It says this in verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting the people's sins against them. Through Jesus, God made a way for our sin to be healed, forgiven, and for us to be made new. And that spiritual darkness still weaves its way throughout our world today. And this is a reminder that in Jesus, God makes the move. He takes the step towards reconciling us with him. But there's a couple things about this gift of reconciliation, who Jesus is, that we need to look at. The first thing is that Jesus was an undeserved gift. You see, the brokenness, the distance, it was created by us. The separation was our doing. And Jesus was a gift from God. Nothing we could do, It wasn't that we got to a place. It wasn't that we showed up in the right way. It was Jesus coming to us when we didn't deserve it. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. This is what Ephesians chapter two in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus says about this. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. There was nothing we could have done or did do to deserve this gift in Jesus. The second thing is that Jesus gave up something to reconcile our relationship with God. It was costly. It cost something. He had to let some things go. There's a great passage when Paul writes to the church in Philippi, Uh, explaining this to them. And it says this in Philippians chapter two, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In order for Jesus to come to us, he gave up his divinity, his rightful place with God, and became a human. And it says not only did he give up that, but he became a servant to us. And it cost him something dear, his own life the gift of reconciliation through Jesus was a costly gift to us. So what if the wonder of this season is more than just embracing this gift through Jesus? What if the unexpected gift is an invitation to practice the way of Jesus and to make a move towards reconciling with others? That passage I read right at the beginning, I don't know if you caught it, but it said in Philippians chapter 2, 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think about the relationships in your life that are fractured, where long standing or maybe even short term issues have damaged the connection you have with specific people, those big tensions that you're happy to avoid this Christmas the small challenges that you've ignored all the way, but impact the way you interact with someone when you're together. What if this Advent, we can take a step towards reconciling? Even if the gatherings and the events are canceled, the moments when relational tension are avoided, maybe the message of Jesus this season is about us making a move towards reconciling, us taking the initiative maybe we can be the ones reconciling this season. But before I get into what this looks like, I'm sure some of you are thinking, as we're talking about these relationships that may be damaged or fractured, you're probably, there's maybe a few that are thinking, yeah, but Chris, what if the hurt is too deep? What if there's been some serious damage done? And I wanna address this before we dive even further. I wanna remind us and, and tell us that it's not always appropriate to reconcile. There are times when the hurt has been too deep and the damage is quite significant that to make friendly again is not the right step. But we can maybe forgive. This is how Scott McKnight, a theologian and author, puts it in a sermon he did on forgiveness and reconciliation. He says this, we have to be careful and distinguish forgiveness from reconciliation. Reconciliation is a process of two people, but we can release the other person from what they've done and we can disconnect ourselves from the deed or the perpetrator that has been done so that we can live a life of emotional and spiritual health. We have to distinguish forgiveness from reconciliation, which brings people together. Sometimes we can't reconcile. Sometimes it's dangerous to be reconciled. With someone, but we can forgive that person. Sometimes we can't reconcile because the person is deceased, but we can always forgive. And that's the first step in the dance of reconciliation. If any of you have relationships that have caused a ton of pain and have created some really challenging circumstances and complications, I know that there are pastors here that would love to help you work through these things. Some issues are far too big for us to work out on our own. And we might not be able to reconcile, but maybe a conversation with others can help us see a way to make amends in those relationships and offer forgiveness. But for the other relationships, uh, what might reconciling, reconciling this Advent season actually look like? How can we make some of our relationships more friendly? Well, if we take the life of Jesus and his example, there's a few things we can start right off with. Number one, it's about us making the first move. It's about us taking the initiative, not waiting for someone else to make the move first. It might also be undeserved. We can sit there thinking, well, that person hasn't done that. They haven't responded this way. They haven't said that. Maybe we can offer a reconciliation even when the other person isn't deserving of it. And it might cost us something. We might have to give up something to actually take the step toward reconciliation. What might that look like? It could be simple. It could be just a kind gesture for someone that's unexpected. A gift of some baked cookies that you've made. Uh, Something that is just a generous offering up from you that shows that you're thinking about that person. Maybe it's a phone call, just a simple phone call to check in and say, hey, how are you doing this holiday season? Maybe it's going out of your way to include someone who you maybe have some tension with on one of those online gatherings. Because even if we're not being able to get together in person. I don't know if you're like me, but you're setting up family Zoom meetings to get people from all over the place to be together. And maybe it's going out of your way in that Zoom call to ask how someone's doing or to encourage them specifically about them. It could also be more significant. You could call up someone and ask for a conversation to share attention that you've had in your, in your relationship. Sometimes... We don't even know how we've offended people. We don't even consciously know that we've said something that has created some tension in the relationship. And maybe just a simple conversation to say, hey, when you said that or you did that, this is how I experienced it. That might be a great first step. Maybe you need to write a letter to ask for forgiveness for the role you've played in that relational tension. But the question for us is, how can we practice reconciling this Christmas? Who are we called to make a move towards? So why should we even do this? Let me tell you a story that I think will illustrate it. A number of years ago, when I was a summer camp director, uh, there was an issue in one of the boys' cabins. Uh, It's kind of off the far way, uh, in the trees there, and it was set down and we got called in. And uh, what had happened was the day before, a number of the guys' items started to go missing. It started out with some small things, and then a gaming system went missing. And uh, when you've been a camp director for a long time, you know when things go missing in the cabin, particularly a boys' cabin with stuff everywhere, the first step is to like, make sure you check around and look because it's probably just misplaced or under something. And so we let it go for a little while as we searched around. Then the next morning, the counselor came to us. And he said, this is getting serious. My passport, he was from the United Kingdom and his passport had gone missing along with all of the cash that he had stored away safely in his, in his um, locker or his, his, um, his bag. And it had all gone. So we knew something was serious and we needed to take action. So we pulled the boys in one by one and asked them if we had permission to go through their stuff. And early on in the process, we got to this young man. His bed was uh, right there by the front door. And I said to him, listen, uh, and we'll call him Brandon. Brandon, uh, I need to see your bag and see what's in it. And he pulled out this small backpack. And it was just a tiny backpack. And he put it up and I said, okay, where's the rest of your stuff? He said, no, that's it. And immediately I, I started to take note of that. And as I'm talking with him and we're looking at the bag, another staff member puts his hand on the pillow and beyond the fluffy, normal nature of a pillow, there was something hard. And so the staff member picked up the pillow and, and sh- uh, shook it out and out comes a bunch of this stuff right there on the bed. And all of a sudden, uh, we'll call it Brandon looks up at me and he says, it's not mine, I didn't do it. And being a camp director, you know well enough. And what I had realized too in the process was this small bag simulated something else. Normally kids come with a whole bunch of stuff. And there was this small bag. And we had, over the course of time, partnered with another organization to sponsor kids to come to camp for uh, kids that won't normally have uh, the means to come to summer camp for them to be able to come free of charge to participate in summer camp and something about his uh, his small bag just highlighted to me that maybe he's part of our send a kid to camp program so i asked all the staff to leave and i said to this young man brandon i said okay this is pretty serious we have to talk about this and automatically he started to get really defensive he said, you're going to call the cops. Uh, let's just get it over with. Call the cops now. This is... And I said, hold on a minute, Brandon. Uh, we need to talk about this. Let's go for a walk. And so we walked out around uh, the cabin and went down near the lake. And he still was defiantly saying, um, look, you're just going to call the police. Let's just get over this. Like, I've been through this before. Uh, and I said, hold on, Brandon. Let's, let's just take it easy. There's going to be consequence for this. But I, just, I want to hear more about you. Tell me about your story. And he kind of looked at me strange as like, why would you want to ask me that? And over some time of going back and forward, uh, he ended up letting me know that one of the reasons uh, he came to camp was because he was part of a program for parents uh, who were incarcerated. Uh, and his dad was in prison. And through our conversation, he shared quite emotionally that uh, the last time he ever talked to his dad was when his dad called him right before he was about to be arrested. And so there was some brokenness behind this, but it was clear he had experienced uh, situations like we had just encountered. And I said, it's okay, Brandon, we're not going to call the police, uh, but there's going to be consequences and you have to go home. Uh, And we kind of were having this conversation and working it through. And I said, you know, I, I do wonder, Brandon, if part of the consequence of this is you need to talk to the counselor. And he said, I could never do that. I, I like the counselor. I, I, I couldn't talk to him about what I did. So I said, that's fine. And we started to walk back to camp with his, his bags, his pillow, uh, ready to have him uh, go home uh, from camp. And honestly, we walk around the corner and there coming towards us was his counselor. We call him Matt. And Matt was making his way towards Brandon. And he walked right up to us, interrupted our path of walk. And he said, hey, Brandon, I've been looking for you. I heard what happened and I wanted to talk to you. And Brandon uh, couldn't even look up at him. And he's looking down at the ground. And he's kind of looking at me and he doesn't know what to do. And he just looks at him and he, he musters up uh, the courage to say, I'm sorry for what you did. And he says that to him. And before Brandon could finish talking, Matt looks at him and he says, Brandon, I was coming to find you before you left because I wanted to just tell you something. It's okay, I forgive you. And you know what? I wanted to find you and let you know that you're a good kid and that this is gonna be okay. And that I'm okay with it. And all of a sudden, Brandon starts crying. And the counselor offers out his hand to shake it. And he says, thanks for being in my cabin. It's been a pleasure to have you this week. And Brandon takes his hand amidst his tears. And when he's done, he looks back up to me and he says, what's wrong with you people? You see, reconciling is not just good for our health. It's not just good for our relationships. It actually brings the message of reconciliation to the world around us. It brings the good news of Jesus into everyday circumstances. Listen to what Henry Noun says about this. He says, What is our task in the world as children of God and brothers and sisters of Jesus? Our task is reconciliation. Wherever we go, we see divisions among people, in families, communities, cities, countries, and continents. All these divisions are tragic reflections of our separation from God. The truth that all people belong together as members of one family under God is seldom visible. Our sacred task is to reveal that truth and the reality of everyday life. At Advent, we remember when Jesus came to earth, taking the step towards us as a gift of reconciliation. What if the unexpected gift of this season is found in us making the first move to make our relationships right? If we do, it might not only be good for us or our relationships, but there just might be a lot of people out there saying, What's wrong with you people? Wouldn't that bring about a whole lot of wonder? Amen.